I think when you when you talked about going out and talking to friends and buddies and acquaintances, I, I think that's the right thing to do because don't you want to work with people you like? You know, I mean, you spend an awful lot of time there. Uh, you might as well work with people that you like that can that can be reliable. Ask any technician. Uh, there's always one guy that doesn't pull his weight. And what does it mean? They have to work harder. Much rather work with a with a good team that, that can make the work all that much better. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you on this Labor Day Monday. Hope you guys are off today, but if you're one of the few that are serving proud and loud on a holiday, we appreciate you. And if you're catching this episode on a Tuesday, hope you enjoyed your weekend and a rest from your labors. We have a great episode for you. This time, we are focusing on a little bit of fantasy draft, a little fantasy football, but this time focusing on our coworkers. So we're working with fantasy drafting the team that you work with. And for that, we're going to start off with our quote from Brian. If you take out the team in teamwork, it's just work. Now, who wants that? Matthew Stover. <laughs> That's absolutely right, Brian. And the idea behind this podcast is basically focusing on uh, what what it is to build that team. So I'm sure many of you participate in fantasy football or have done something like that in the past where you're drafting your team and you're putting together the players that you want to have on the field for any given Sunday. Uh, and, and we thought that was a cool kind of a segue into not only the time of the year, but also a really relevant topic, which is building the team that you work with, aka teamwork, right? And so one of the things that we want to focus on in this podcast is your self-ability to recruit. And for that, we have a guest coming on, Lance Sinclair, who's going to be bringing us uh, some great ideas about recruiting and retainment and what that looks like. But we wanted to introduce the topic here on this podcast by talking a little bit about what you can do as a professional in the truck. Yeah, and our, our uh, guest today, as we will from here on out refer to the guest the person we're putting in your passenger seat. Oh, yeah. All right. Can we can we switch over to that, Nate? Absolutely. All right. So, Lance Sinclair, <clears throat> going to be in your passenger seat today. Exciting stuff. Yeah, Brian. And, and what we want to focus on here is your ability to influence exactly what's going on there. So, some of you might actually be in the hiring chair or sit in alongside of the hiring chair where you're actually getting to physically decide about a person sitting across from you. But I'm assuming that a lot of you probably aren't in that chair, but that doesn't mean that you don't have any influence. In fact, you probably have a much larger reach uh, collectively than any one or two people that do sit in the hiring chair. And you do that by your network, the people that you know, the people that you associate with, the people that you just come across in a day-to-day -day, uh, relationship or uh, you know, when you're running about on your job or your errands or even on the weekends. Coming across people that you run into that you say, that's a great person. 
I think they'd be a great fit for our organization. I would love to work next to them. I would love to have that type of guy on my team. I would depend upon that guy. When I had a, an issue, you know, a couple years ago, and I worked with this guy before, or, you know, he, he seems like the type of guy that would help me out in a pinch. And the more you do that, the more that you get to draft your own team, the more that you get to pull together the all-stars to put onto the field. And your ability to do that, you might say, well, what does it really matter? Well, it matters very much so in the way that these literally are the people that are going to back you up in a pinch. Whether you're running an on-call schedule and you need to switch uh, for a certain event that's coming up in your life, or whether you're coming across a situation in the field that's a little bit more challenging or unexpected, and you're not 100% sure what to do with it, these are the people that you're going to be able to call, that you're going to be able to hit up and say, hey man, I, I need a favor. Hey man, uh, I need a little bit of help here. And the dependency upon what you've done to accommodate the team that you're on solely rests on your shoulders. What you're doing to help provide the team with that type of mindset, that type of attitude, that type of people who waste no day, that's all on you. And your ability to do that is only going to make your life easier moving forward. Absolutely. It's the, it's the perfect way to craft your own team is just fill the place with people that you enjoy being around. And I don't know any person responsible for hiring at a company that doesn't feel the woes of the pain of not being able to find anybody. It's, it's, it doesn't matter what kind of market we're in, what kind of climate we're in. It always seems like there's a shortage of good people. I mean, we might have 20 people come through here. Half of them don't, don't get through the interview because of the background question. Uh, another, another 25% don't get through because of the driving record question. So it's really hard to find good people who do qualify to work at these places. And if you know people that are good people, get them in. Talk to your talk to your supervisor about getting them trained up and tell them how good of a career this can be. Another 25% don't make it through because they don't laugh at Brian's jokes. Yeah, this is going to be a problem, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Right. But that's a really good point, Brian. It, is Nate still doing here? <laughs> <laughs> it's so difficult to bring people in because, I mean, there's such a shortage, and everybody knows that. I mean, that's old news by now. And I think a lot of owners and a lot of GMs and uh, people who are running the business are becoming more open-minded to bringing in raw talent and training it up. So I think that only serves to help you build your team a little bit faster, right? So your draft pool just got a lot bigger because now you're not just looking at actual starters. You're looking at first string, second string, third string practice squad as well and saying, hey, who are just good people that we can get into our organization? I'll give you an example of that. We have a, a shop tech position uh, in our organization that is, uh, I would say, a very entry-level position. And it's specifically designed to be support for the field. And these are great quality people who are, are servants at heart and who are willing to go out and, and help out on site or run something from here to there and just be general overall, like, what can I do for you type of people? Really good, solid people. And it's that type of mindset that is so lacking today. And yet when you see it, you want to have a place to put it in your organization. And so we have this entry level position that anybody who has a clean driver's record and a servant's heart and a willingness to learn can jump into. 
And it's really great for somebody who wants to experience the trades because it gives them an opportunity to see all the different trades that are going on, to interact with service professionals such as yourself, to get some hands-on experience while getting paid to do it, and then potentially to actually make a selection based on self-education about what trade is going to best suit them. And this works beautifully because then, and it's, it's happening in our organization where somebody who said, I started in this position, but I would really like to become a plumber. I'd really like to become an HVAC tech. And I'd sure like to do that. We get to the opportunity to give them that next step. And it's all because they were willing to have a servant's heart and they were willing to be brought into an organization at entry level and then given the opportunity from there. And that starts by you guys out in the field recruiting great people to bring in even at an entry level. That is exactly how it works or it should work. And not even not even just people you know, but well, I'll say we were at we were hopefully this person will hear this podcast one day and it'll be it'll be a cool story to remember. My mom and my sister took me out for my birthday lunch today, though my birthday was a few weeks ago, but took me out for my birthday lunch today at a local restaurant called Loxley's and we as a management team eat there often and there's a waitress in there named Danielle who just blows us away every time we're there with her her level of service she's she's such a servant um but also very very outgoing personality super hard worker and at some point we just decided that we want to have her come work here so I I got her to come in for an interview tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. So I guess next week <laughs> we'll talk about whether that, uh, whether that interview went well. Um, but got her to come in for an interview to work, to work with us. So many times I've done this at, I did this at the best version of it was at a Ferguson in, um, Las Vegas where I just, I got a kid to leave the union, sorry, union as an apprentice and come ride in my passenger seat until he could, get in his own truck and he went on to manage a plumbing division but it happens all the time where people here bring people in who are not in the industry whatsoever just by saying dude you got to meet this guy super cool uh, very honest integrity hype wants to make money wants to have fun wants a, a better work environment <clears throat> and you really need to work for a a place with a positive, upbeat, dynamic work environment to use that one. But it is crazy how many people come here for no other reason than that they've heard so much about the culture here. So starting with that in mind, you know, culture makers, you need to make sure that your company has that kind of culture that people actually want to show up, work at. I think a lot of it has to do with the like the fist bumps, the communication, the being happy to see people in the morning goes, goes such a long way. If you, if you're somewhere where that doesn't really happen, then it's, it's tough to make yourself get out of bed and go there in the morning. And you know what? You may be part of an organization that is still in a rebuilding year. As far as culture goes, a, a really fast way to get your culture on a track that you want it to be is to bring in people that you know are going to promote a great culture. And again, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, that guy's dependable. Hey, that guy is a servant. Hey, that guy would help me out in a pinch. Bring those people in. Those are the type of people that are only going to promote the culture into something that you want it to be. And the more that more that culture grows in that way, the more people want to come work there. And it's the right kind of people. 
not the wrong kind of people. And we all know who the wrong people are. It's the negative. All I know how to do is complain. Nothing good enough can happen where I'm in a good mood. It's just that's people you don't want to work with, or certainly I don't want to work with. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is, well, I don't really want to invite anybody to work with me that I know because I'm not sure exactly how that's going to reflect upon me. So this is a realistic concern, right? And and we hear this sort of kind of in this in the whispers in the hallway that, yeah, I, I know some people, I know some people, but uh, I'm not sure, you know, I want to talk to them. Okay. So I understand. You're concerned about how your referral is going to reflect back upon you. And that, and that could be both directions, right? So uh, maybe you're concerned that once they get here, you know, maybe they won't be able to live up to the standards of the organization. Or maybe you're even concerned that if I introduce some of these people, you know, they might not even make it through the interview process. And then I look like I was referring, you know, a, a poor judgment, I guess. Um, hey, I, I guess that's possible. And I suppose that's a valid concern. But in the end, if your logic is never to invite anybody into the organization, then you better be happy with whoever does get brought into the organization because you've effectively removed yourself from the equation. It's just like choosing not to vote. If you don't vote, do you have a right to be upset about who gets elected? I mean, I guess you can be upset, but you, again, removed yourself from the equation about who was going to be in that position. So if you're not willing to invite people into an organization because you're afraid of, of how the outcome is going to look, I would honestly suggest to you to bring that to your manager or bring that to your supervisor and say, hey, look, here's my concern. I know some people, uh, I'm just a little worried about what that's going to look like. And I guarantee you they'll be able to work you through that conversation. We're going to work our way through this conversation. And for that, it's time for us to bring in our guest. His name is Lance Sinclair. Let's welcome to the show now. Our guest today is none other than Lance Sinclair. We're putting him in your passenger seat. He is the Vice President of Operations at Authority Brands, where he oversees one-hour heating and air conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric. He has more than 17 years of experience working with the brands. And before that, Sinclair held the position of Vice President of Learning for Success Academy. So not only does he have experience on the operational side, but also in the training element as well. Sinclair's commitment to franchise business growth, his attention to detail, and his drive to think outside the box have made him an industry thought leader. This leader has been instrumental in accolades of Success Academy and has achieved most notably the Leadership Excellence and Development Awards in 2016 and 17 from Training Magazine's annual training conference and expo, Success Academy. Sinclair focuses on optimizing employee productivity and company results through a human performance improvement methodology. His articles on operational excellence in business management are regularly published, including a recent article, The Problem Isn't Turnover, It's Retention. This was published in HVACR Business. Sinclair earned his bachelor's degree from Western Michigan University. There you go, Brian. Graduating with summa cum laude honors, and he studied at the Lund University School of Economics and Management in Lund, Sweden. He currently resides in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to the show, Lance. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Great to talk to you again, Lance. Uh, so, Lance, we'd like to start off our show by having a little bit of introduction to our guests. Um, I know if 
if people are listening or from the tri brands, they probably have heard your name or maybe uh, are familiar with you, but many people are probably not. So give us a little insight into your history. Uh, where did you get into the trades? What did that look like? And what are you doing now? Okay. I think that's a fair question. I mean, I started out uh, in a very lucky position in the city of Kalamazoo, Michigan, getting a part-time job in the summertime with a new startup company. Go blue, now, by wasn't, the way. Wasn't, excuse me? Go blue. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, there uh, M go blue. There you go. <laughs> for, for all our Ohio fans out there, I, I, I love people from Ohio. I just don't like Ohio State. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> just trying to be fair. But I started out in Michigan and a part-time job, which led to a full-time job in a startup company. Um, that many people might know, it was called True Green. Uh, True Green, Kimlon merged, and now I believe the company is, is True Green. When I left them, uh, we went from $1 million in business to, back in those days, we were doing about uh, $250 million, uh, when I left them. And wow. I got into the trade um, somewhat by accident, actually. Someone called me up. And said, hey, I heard you speak at a meeting in Florida and would like to talk to you about a, a job position. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. Um, I talked with them and uh, we came to an agreement and I moved to the great city of St. Louis, Missouri, and started with a company called Success Group International, uh, which eventually evolved into uh, the franchises. And I have been with Clockwork, which is the technical name of the company. I've been with Clockwork 17 years, if you can believe it. Okay. Um, most people that are listening are probably, you know, if you're in your 20s, you're probably on your 10th job, career job. Um, I've only worked for uh, three companies my entire life. Uh, but I, I love the trade. I'm not a tradesman at all. Uh, but I have total respect for, uh, you know, Gosh, the, the people that make this country great, the people that, you know, own uh, businesses, small businesses and are building their businesses and employing, uh, you know, the vast majority of people in this country. I have a, a profound respect for them. Um, and plus, they're really just really good people. A lot of I love hanging out with them and all my all my friends are in the trade, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, in your position, uh, you are you have a really good perspective on the nation and on trends and, you know, what's going on in the trades across all 50 states. Uh, and so I, I think you bring a certain perspective that will be interesting because I think people will be surprised or, or maybe not to understand that a lot of what you're talking about with recruiting and employees is universal. Like it's, it's not just the location that you're in right now. It's pretty much from East to West coast, right? Yes, it is. You know, having responsibility for, you know, all the franchises, some 350 uh, dots on the map across America. Um, you would like to think that there are vast changes between, uh, you know, differences between the West and the East, the North and the South. And while there are some cultural differences and such, uh, we all are lucky enough to share one problem. And that is, the you know, the people equation, the people problem. Um, and in fact, it's not even, it's not even unique to the trades. I mean, it's, it's really an issue with many people in the service business, in the professional business. Um, it, it's just across the board. The, the funny thing that I like to, 
I, I think about is that when we talk about recruitment, uh, it's such a big issue right now, as it should be. But the reality is, when I got in this business 17 years ago, guess what the number one problem was? Recruiting people. Mm. 15 years ago, number one problem in, in the entire franchise system, coast to coast, north to south, recruitment. 10 years ago, same thing. It has been an ongoing problem. The challenge we have is it has not gotten better. In fact, one can argue that it's certainly gotten worse. And it's hard to understand with with the story that we have to tell. I, I think part of the problem with recruiting is I, I don't think as a group we're real good at telling the story. Mm. Yeah. And you are right. There are so many good stories to tell from opportunities to income to skills and, and beyond. I mean, there's plenty out there. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, part of that story includes uh, – Go to Department of Labor and go look up uh, electricians, plumbers, uh, HVAC. Now, granted, you have to be in the – I want to be transparent. Those numbers include not just residential work like uh, I'm used to, but they also include construction work. However you look at it, though, it's a good story uh, and it's a a bad story. It's a good story in that wages are – quite high. I mean, according to the Department of Labor, uh, a plumber starts off at about $56,330 a year. Um, gosh, a heating and air guy, 50000 plus. An electrician, you know, 56000 plus. The bad news is that right now we have 62,000 openings for electricians nationwide. Hmm. I mean, think about that. 20,000 plus openings for plumbers. 15,000 open for heater, uh, HVAC guys. So when you think about it, it's a wonderful opportunity because there's uh, plenty of work out there. Uh, the negative side of it as an owner, operator, as a manager, um, we're all fighting for the same people. And I just read something out of the Manhattan Institute that said for every new person that enters the trade, five are retiring. Now that includes construction. Let's put it in perspective. That doesn't mean if you're looking and working in a residential business that every new hire comes in, five people are going out the door. These are nationwide numbers, but they're far, far worse than they were just five years ago. Um, It's a different world we live in. And and I really believe, and this might be a little shocking to many that are listening, but I don't think the problem is recruitment. I I think we hire good people all the time. I think the real issue is... um, onboarding and retention. Um, today's employee is a lot different than when I grew up. You know, people want, you know, self-development. They want to improve. You know, people want things that are vastly different than typically the manager's perspective. So, you know, management and owners have to think completely differently. You got to think outside the box these days. All right. So Lance, uh, that's all good and well, but a fair amount of our listeners are frontline people. So they're, they're actually driving the truck to the home. They're dealing with the homeowner. How, how can they be involved? This sounds like an office problem. Like somebody else is going to fix this. How can the frontline people get involved with recruiting? What does that look like? Well, I think that's a great, great question. I think first of all, congratulations for getting into a career. Uh, that's going to be very fulfilling, very long lasting. And I think one of the things that I hear all the time 
uh, is every day you wake up, it's completely different. You know, working with with people, it's uh, you never know what your day's going to be like. <clears throat> it's certainly not routine. Uh, no question about that. So congratulations on making the right choice and congratulations on earning a, a, a fair living. Uh, and, you know, most of our listeners, I'm assuming, didn't have to get a four year degree and go 80,000 to 120,000 in debt to get there. So you made the smart move, number one. Number two, you know, I, I think recruiting is important, but what about retention? Uh, one thing I do know about this generation that is in the workforce today, it, it's, it's vastly different. Let me give you an example. Um, we've all seen surveys, and there's some, uh, hundreds and hundreds of surveys out there about what employees want, what they think. And one of the things they want is training and development. They want to improve their skill set. The good news about being in the trade is there is a direct correlation between what you know and what you earn, okay? For example, if you're an electrician, you're pulling wire, and that's all you're basically doing, uh, you're going to earn, you know, one level of uh, wage, you know, probably an hourly wage, and you're going to be based on, on working hourly. But, boy, if you can learn communication skills, if you can learn uh, more technical skills, if you can change out a main, if you can change out a panel, if you can offer special services, uh, lighting and, and, and such to your customers uh, as you're out there. Well, that opens a whole another door of opportunities. The challenge we have is what if your location does not provide that? What do you do? And I'm here to tell you that there are a lot of opportunities out there. Most of them are free or low cost. Um, you can sign up for online technical training through a company called Pearson that is the leading uh, provider of online courses for the trades. Um, you can get, you know, uh, you can take their modules and, and learn more. I know some people that have been through a trade school, they're like, ah, oh, maybe I don't need that. Hey, we all can improve at anything that we do. And the good news with Pearson is you can test out of those modules. If you know the material, you advance. Uh, I met an electrician in Southern California that went through the Pearson program. Uh, it's something like um, 62 different modules. Uh, he completed it in about two and a half months. Uh, the reason he went so quickly, though, because typically it's a two-year program, um, is he had been in the trades and he had, you know, gone to trade school and he prided himself on, you know, reading the NEC every time it came out, which is the code book for electricians. Uh, he was really up on his on his stuff, and um, he said he got a lot out of it. Um, there are courses that you can take through LinkedIn on, on communications and sales. Look, if you're lucky enough to be with a company that offers that type of self-development, um, great. Take advantage of every single thing they offer because today's worker puts a value on in-house training and anything that will help advance their career. And I don't mean moving to manager i mean advance their career from a technical standpoint because the more you know the more you earn right and development is is viewed as a pathway to success and you you know there are plenty of opportunities if you know where to go and you can seek them out for self-improvement simply picking up a book or you know i pick up a book i, I should rephrase that my son uh listens to um uh, you know, pre-recorded books, whatever you call it. 
you can tell I'm not a millennial, right? Uh, he, he listens to like we would call those audiobooks, just saying. There you go, audiobooks. He listens to like two or three a month. And it, it's amazing having conversations with him because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say, what's the last thing you read? And he'll start telling me all about it. My point is you don't have to wait for other people to make you successful. If you're in the trades, you made a good decision. My, my, my point would be, what are you going to do to maximize it? You're just going to kind of hang out and hope somebody makes you successful? Well, I'm here to tell you the chances of that happening are, are probably zero. You know, you've got to take control of your destiny. You've got to take control of, of what you want. And there's plenty of things. On it. And again, these are low-cost solutions. You know, reading, uh, getting an online book. Uh, is not very expensive. Uh, many of the LinkedIn courses are extremely reasonable. Um, you know, the Pearson group, I, I want to say it's a couple hundred bucks. It's an investment in your future. Remember, the more you know in these trades, the more you can earn. Absolutely. And we actually had Matt Brewer on a couple of weeks ago uh, to talk about Success Academy and how they have partnered with Pearson to do some of that uh, Success Academy technical training, even in-house. Yes, that's correct. Our organization provides that at an extremely low investment. And uh, I think the last time I looked, let's see, we launched that about two years ago. And we've had, I believe, um, over 500-something people graduate from it. And currently we have about uh, 450 people in the program. Uh, excellent program. It, it, it truly is. Now it's much more technical. It's the kind of stuff you learn in a trade school. Uh, so I'm not saying a lot of it's a lot of fun. Now, if you want to have fun learning, there's organizations out there like um, Interplay that we've also partnered with, which is um, uh you know, new technology, three-dimensional technology. You put the goggles on, VR training. You put the goggles on, and it's more for uh, diagnostic training. You know, something's wrong with the unit, so you have to go find out what's wrong. And, and the example of um, heating and air conditioning, you know, they start you at the thermostat, and then you go outside uh, to the, the condenser, and you have to, you know, uh, make all these movements, check all these things. I, I, I can't do it because, you know, I'm so old. I fall over uh, all the time because I get disorientated, right? In the but virtual anybody, reality, you fall over? Yeah, yeah. In, anybody under 30, it's no big deal. It's no problem. Um, so there's different ways to learn. And these things, they're, you know, they're open, of course, for people in our organization. But even if you're not part of our franchise group, there are still opportunities for you to go out individually and learn. And, and like I said, don't let anybody stop you from being successful don't don't let um i don't have time stop you from being successful you have time uh turn off the tv for one hour a day and do something to improve yourself think of where you would be in one year that's fantastic and that actually lines up with what we try to do here every episode which is waste no day and we really, I really like what you're saying there, which is basically don't wait for somebody to make you better. Go make yourself better. But as a technician, we still have to answer the question, which is, hey, man, I can only do this for so long. And my, you know, my manager's asking me to work doubles and longer shifts and on-call and everything. We just need some extra people. How can I help with that? 
Well, I think I think one of the things you can do is go to your manager and maybe su- suggest some ideas. Like, for example, I'm a big believer that when we interview uh, individuals, let's let's say uh, you're working at a midsize shop, right? Uh, there's probably maybe four or five uh, vehicles. Uh, everybody's busy right now. Uh, my guess is almost, at least for us across the board, uh, we're getting more calls than we can handle. Um, calls are not a problem. It's the people equation. So what can you do? Well, one of the things is talk to your manager and, and get involved in the interview process. I, I think uh, anytime I've been lucky, I, I didn't know what I was doing when I was a young manager. So I would get other technicians to help me do interviews, uh, not because of some magic formula or some deep thought or philosophy. Uh, I just needed the help. And it really worked out well because an individual is going to ask a different set of questions to the person sitting beside them that is actually doing the job than that manager that's in the, you know, button down long sleeve shirt sitting across the table. Uh, get in, get involved in it. Um, get involved in, in, in job fairs. Volunteer. It's good for the industry. It's good for you. It's good for the company. It's good for the client. So you can take an active role, you know. Sit down, talk to your manager, uh, your owner, operator, and ask what you can do. Because I think as a technician, you know what the day-to-day is. You know the kind of personality and fit you're looking for. Um, we can always teach the technical skills, but when it comes to the right fit, the right attitude, um, that's something that's uh, uh, very difficult to train. And I find that when I hire a CSR, have a CSR come in. Um, I recently hired uh, an ad administration person, and I had the other administrators. Even at this time in my career, I had them interview. And uh, frankly, I've got their recommendations. So I think you can contribute. I, I think you can talk to your friends. I think you can talk to people that you hang out with. And, and by the way, I hope you hang out with people that are more successful than you because nobody wants to hang out with losers because they'll they'll tear you down. They won't build you up. But assuming you're hanging out with good people, talk to them. Um, you know, you can come into this business with experience. Yeah. But you can also today come in this uh career without experience and over time get trained internally and build an incredible career and you're not going to end up $120,000 in debt. Yeah, and more and more, I think our our industry or certainly our companies here and um, at least the the, uh, higher level successful companies in the industry are looking less and less to, as uh, I heard Ken Goodrich say on on the – on the Tommy Mello podcast I was listening to on my way home from a vacation yesterday, he said that the the day of poaching our competitors' technicians is is behind us. That's a 90s thing. Today, it's all about finding and recruiting good people and then training them ourselves. I mean, that's, yep. that's basically where we're at anymore. We were just doing the math or trying to do the math today on on – I think we're almost 70% of our plumbing team here locally was, was raised here. And exactly. So what is that? What, what onus is there on the employee? I think there's a lot on the employee as I myself have always been a, a heavy recruiter. Um, I worked for Ken Goodrich in, in Las Vegas and I was doing, doing some numbers with 
Brent Buckley, a buddy I used to work with there, talking about how much of at least the plumbing team was brought on by me personally. And it was like, I could, we could think of like 12 guys. And I think seven of them were brought by me because I got there and really liked it. And what, what's the first thing you should say when you get to somewhere you, you feel like you're going to be for a while? Well, let me surround myself with great people. And yep. it's tough to go to other companies and shop their texts to find great people and say, Hey, come with me. But I knew a lot of guys, you know, personally that I wouldn't mind working with. And I'd be at supply houses from time to time. And recently one of the, uh, one of the managers of Larry Thornton's Benjamin Franklin shop, uh, was Matt Harbison. He's a guy I met at a Ferguson in Las Vegas who he was working union and he was a union apprentice. And I talked him into coming to work with me, <laughs> taught, taught yeah. him service plumbing. And he, and, you know, he, he became a good friend, became a plumber, became a manager, ended up, uh, managing an, another Ben Franklin shop at the same time as me. We actually met on one of the Bimax cruises. We hadn't talked in years, which was just pretty cool. Um, but the same is here. Any, anytime I find like a good, just a good dude or a good person, out and about, I, I try to recruit them. And that was long before I was out of a truck. So as a technician in the truck or as a, a CSR call center rep or what have you, anything you're doing where you're shoulder to shoulder with other people all day, does it not just make, forget about the referral spiff and we, and we do pay well for that, but does it, does it not make sense just to recruit people yourself that you want to work around? Regardless of their well, skill level, just get somebody, get good people in, and then we can teach them from there. Yeah, I, I think you absolutely hit it on the head. You know, the, the phrase we use in our business is, um, you know, uh, hire somebody uh, without the skill, hire them for attitude, hire them for fit, um, and we can build our own. You know, and I, I think Ken Goodrich is absolutely correct. The old style of trying to get another technician to switch over Look, let's be honest. All, all the good technicians are working. They're not hanging out looking for a job. Um, and it's a very limited group. Uh, we are uh, seeing more and more and more uh, locations taking on the responsibility to train their own. And, and Ken's a great example of that. I mean, his, his uh, system, uh, which shocked most people uh, in, in that it's about a 16-week system, I believe, uh, to onboard somebody, but the reality is, is um, you know, that's what it takes. Now, not everybody can afford to do that. I, I, I get that. Uh, but even if you're a four or five truck operation, you've got the ability to properly onboard people. And when you're recruiting, um, I don't, you know, I did the same thing when I went way back when I was a manager and I needed people in the office or I needed uh, guys on the trucks. Um, you know, I, I would come across people at the mall or I had uh, friends or I would meet friends of friends, acquaintances, I would call them. Um, and I, I would talk to them and I, I would say, hey, man, you know, what are you doing? And uh, luckily, I guess maybe the people I hung around with, but most of them had jobs, but just kind of like what I call endless jobs. You know, they go in, they work, they got out of work. That was it. There was no long term play. There was no real solid, um, you know, career uh, that they could count on. I mean, it, again, it goes back to what I said at the very beginning. We have a story to tell, and I don't think we tell it very well in the industry. Now, 
Ken, I think, has kind of mastered that, right, with his recruiting and onboarding and, and, and such and, you know, building from scratch, so to speak. We have a great story. I mean, where else can you go if you're in your 20s or even 30s? And, and your, your starting wage is probably going to be fifty, sixty thousand. You're going to have benefits. You're going to have health care. I mean, U.S. News and World Report rated uh, electricians the number five job in the United States in terms of pay without a degree. I mean, think about that. Plumbing was number six. You know, we have a story to tell where you can learn and earn as you grow. Uh, More and more locations. I mean, when I think about it right now, including yours, by the way, and some others, uh, there's Myrtle Beach, there's Niceville, uh, there's, uh, let me think, there's Dallas, there's Phoenix. Uh, We're seeing what I'm seeing more and more is those locations have built their own school, so to speak. You know, they take people in, uh, they train them. Some of them are using Pearson. Some are, are using others. Some use our Success Academy for Communication and Sales. But there's a program. And uh, the reality is not everyone's going to stay. You know, it's not 100%. Uh, but the, the product you get, the person you get, the productivity you get, out of building your own uh, is really, really high quality typically, Uh, but it takes time. And too often managers and owners don't want to dedicate that time. But I think in today's world, I'm not sure that they have the choice. Yeah. And even for the smaller, the smaller branches, uh, smaller three or four truck shops, they're still the old school grab, grab a charismatic, uh, serving servant type apprentice, put them in a passenger seat and uh, yep. let them go. And, 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 you know, you just want to have, you, you want to have measurables for when it's time for this apprentice to get into his or her own, her own truck. But as long as you have your key, your bullet point measurables, like this needs to happen, this needs to happen he or She needs to, to be able to do this well, to articulate this well, which is something I think we fall short of in the industry on on uh, promoting apprentices largely is the, the soft skills, something that really needs to be taught and touched on. But once they hit all those measurables, then you graduate them up to running maintenance calls, and then slowly but surely they start installing, and then slowly but surely they get on call. And it's a much longer process than 16 weeks, and I get that it's it's long and grueling, but the, the saying we always say here when it comes to, you know, cracking the budget open for one more apprentice is what if we had done it two years ago? Yes. And, and that goes to my point about um, there's a direct correlation. You know, every, everybody focuses on recruitment and I know that's the topic today uh, by design because I thought people would be attracted to the recruitment problems. I truly believe that we can recruit people, but like you just said, you got to onboard them. I mean, the studies show self-development is the number one benefit that most young workers are looking for today. They're looking for flexible hours. They're looking for positive reinforcement. They want to know how they're doing, not measured by your average ticket and your uh, total revenue. They want to know how they're doing uh, in the eyes of the management. And we have a program at, at, at um in the franchise system called one-on-one. Um, they want communication. You know, the key is, is we can recruit them, but 
most people don't have an onboarding program or the onboarding program is, hey, go ride with John, you know. Uh, boy, you better hope John knows what he's doing, number one. And number two is John thoroughly teaching everything. You know, um, onboarding is, is critical. Um, you know, if, if you talk to people today in the industry that are really unhappy in the trades and they're not happy where they're at, one of the things they're going to tell them is that, you know, uh, management just cares about numbers. Management just cares about how many calls, you know, how many stops we make a day. Um, and that's true because that's the old school style management. And that it can't be that way today. I mean, you know, I'm reminded of places that have uh, 30% less turnover. People are staying longer. And what what do they do different? Well, I know one place that every month they have a barbecue. And they're so big, they have to schedule, just like you would schedule a call. You know, you might get scheduled 11 to 12 or 11 to 1 uh, to come to the barbecue. And families are invited. And it's a family affair. And and, uh, you know, those those are the things that make differences, you know. Um, so many people are, you know, old school people are all about, oh, let's give a $20 spiff. You know, I tell you what, today's worker wants memories. They want to, you know, take them on a rock climbing uh, exhibit or something instead of giving them 20 bucks. That means so much more. Onboarding is, is critical and retention it's huge. We we don't even measure. Think about it. Most companies, they measure what? Average ticket, how many stops per day. They measure revenue. They measure sales. How many companies out there measure turnover? How many, how many measure tenure, which I think is even more important? In other words, how long does an employee stay with you? You know, studies show that 60% of millennials, this is according to the Mercer Group, 60% of millennials Stay at a job less than three years. You know, the old day of people like me working for somebody for 17 years, most millennials out there are shaking their head going, what's his problem? Uh, <laughs> I've done very well, but I can understand that. I mean, it's, you know, keeping people on longer is the key. Not Don't worry about turnover. Look at tenure. Can you keep somebody instead of two years? Can you keep them three years? That makes a huge impact in your business. And, and I think when you, when you talk about going out and talking to friends and buddies and acquaintances, I, I think that's the right thing to do. Cause don't you want to work with people you like, you know, I mean, you spend an awful lot of time there. Uh, you might as well work with people that you like that can, that can be reliable. Ask any technician. Uh, there's always one guy that doesn't pull his weight. And what does it mean? They have to work harder, much rather work with a, with a good team. Um, that, that can make the work all that much better. I mean, I think that's the key at the end of the day. All right. So I'm, uh, not everybody has the benefit of having decision-making power about a lot of those issues you were bringing up there, Lance. So if I'm in the front lines and, you know, man, a lot of what you're saying is ringing true to me and like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I, w I wish we would do that. What do you think is the best approach to, having that conversation with somebody who would be in charge of that? Well, I, I, I think you sit down and, and take some time and uh, you tell them, Hey, I was listening to a podcast and you know, the, the guy was saying, A, B, C, D, you know, what do you think? How can I help now? A lot of locations, you know, they may not have the resources. They may not frankly have the desire, right? 
because uh, people get stuck in their ways, unfortunately, and change is tough. So my advice is, is that when you think about changing um, a job, don't don't go for the money. Money will come. Believe me, you do well in any business. I don't care what business you're in. Money will come. What you really got to look for is a company that, you know, what do you do as far as training and development? You know, how, how many hours a week can I expect that? What about, you know, like I said, flexible hours? What about uh, performance? You know, how, how do you measure that? Uh, because the last thing you want to do is go from a company that doesn't do those things and it's strictly just a job that you go to. You want to go to a company where you can advance your career, um, where the, the sky's the limit. A company like yours. Uh, you know, there's no question. You guys, I, I know what you do in terms of training, development, and self-development, and positive reinforcement, and communications, and, uh, you know, it's remarkable. I mean, that that's the environment that everyone in this industry deserves to be in. And money. And, we don't leave that part out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> money's good, right? I mean, you know, you, I'll never forget, you know, the time when I was really young and I had to buy diapers for the kids and I had no money on the credit card and I was sweating in line. Every step I got, I, was, I would sweat more because I didn't have any money on the credit card. I was maxed out. So every step, every step, I was getting more, you know, please let this card go through. Please let the card. And it did. But I remember driving away and thinking to myself, I never want to be in that position again. And it started to change my life. And I realized that nobody was going to walk up to me and go, Lance, you're a great guy, man. I'm going to make you successful. That's when I learned that if I wanted success, be it financial or otherwise, um, I, I had to do it myself. And that's where I started reading. That's where I started asking questions. And uh, I, I, I studied all sorts of things, things I, I knew nothing about. But I knew that the more I knew about things globally, the better I would be in talking to people and having conversations. And uh, that's where I, you know, I'm, I'm a very big self-development guy. If the company's not going to do it for you, Look, there's a few companies out there that do it really well. Yours is one. Ken's is one. Um, I think most of our franchises do it very well. But, you know, if they're not going to do it for you, that, that should not stop you. There's plenty of things out there uh, as a technician, electrician, and a plumber that I can do to improve myself and oh, make yeah. myself more valuable. 100% and that's accurate. That's to, yep. to rely on a company to provide you with training that – especially if you're already in a truck that might have you, what, five, uh, four and a half hours a week, maybe 30 minutes a day for, for five days, you if might be lucky. able to be in front of us because <laughs> yep. you have to be out running calls or the company will be closing its doors before it can train right. everybody. But then you have all this, what we call the, you know, the, the windshield time or my vehicle university, MVU, uh, we call it. Yeah. You have all, like- you got countless hours to be, to be, edifying yourself and, and building yourself into something better, listening to, uh, like your son, Zach, listening to audiobooks or listening to, you know, the waste no day podcast, which you're also going to, um, rate five stars and subscribe and tell all your friends about, thank you. Or you yeah, know, listening, you listening to other trade type podcasts or communication podcasts or, or, you know, be a better father podcast, be a better husband podcast, whatever it is, something positive, something that's building you up. 
certainly not the news, not something that's making you angry or divisive or negative, but something that's teaching you, building you, making you better. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a, a book right now sitting here, Never Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, which is a, uh, I, I mentioned this in a, in another episode, but I want to mention it again because it's uh, it's about tact, tactical negotiation. Negotiation right. really mm-hmm. broken down into a day-to-day life um, way. So like, nego- you know, negotiating with your boss for, you know, extra paid time off or what have you, negotiating with the homeowner, talking about water treatment or a whole home surge protector or whatever. This is this is a book that we kind of accidentally ran across. Nate and I, we were at the Global Leadership Summit. And I remember when, when we first saw Chris Voss speaking about it, he was a, one of the FBI's top negotiators all the time. We, we loved what he said. We left, you know, we, I don't know what we saw, a dozen speakers in those two days or something. And it's hard to, when you're watching a speaker, you're like, okay, I'm going to get this guy's book. I'm going to check it out. Can't wait to implement some of these principles. But by hour 16 of this, you, you, you've lost some of it. You've forgotten some. But for whatever reason, the second his talk ended, I jumped on Amazon and ordered the paper book, which is rare because Nate knows I'm not not necessarily in love with reading with my eyes. I like to do it with my ears. But uh, read the book, and I remember thinking, man, I, I in a way I almost wish I was still in a truck to try using some of these skills that he teaches in my presentation because he simplified so many complicated things that most people don't even think about in a selling situation. And and there's so much more pressure and stress in what he was doing than we experience. Although we, we tell ourselves it's, you know, always tons of pressure and stress. And a lot of times it can be because we're dealing with upset homeowners or homeowners in an upsetting situation. Even sometimes we get to be the hero, but it's still, it's still a tough anxiety riddled situation for the person across the table. Well, he talks about all these things in very simplistic terms and and broke it down in ways that even I, with my, you know, 10th grade education could understand and really got, got into how you make this work in your favor. And it's not manipulation that these, all these scenarios that he paints and all these things he teaches are you're starting out with a good product and service that will benefit someone and you're removing the walls between them and you and uh, maybe past experiences with contractors that make them not trust you. Now, we're all going to assume that we're all starting on the same foot, which is good company, good person, good product, good service, good for the client, not bad for the client, and enough value to make it worth their money. So let's say we're already starting there. So I read this book knowing that already, and I thought, man, to have had a copy of this when I was in a truck and yep. really been able to implement some of these systems and, and these things that he does. And none of it's like tricks or gimmicks. It's, it's just a well-built presentation kind of ready for everything. And we had his son on the podcast, uh, last week as this airs, it will have been last week who is the president of the black Swan group now. And he really broke down some of these. It was a great interview. Uh, big props to Brandon Voss because he broke them down. He broke these things down in a way that 
they could be used for a contractor, for a plumber, HVAC tech, and electrician. And I really applaud him for doing that because it, it took time outside of the episode for him to do that. But he did it and, it, and it was a great, great experience for Nate and me and anybody who listens, I'm sure. But had we not, you know, ordered that book and, and for whatever reason taken it upon ourselves to actually read the book, we would never have have been introduced to this world. And now we have so many technicians here and office staff who have read the book and are big fans of the book, but it's always like, there's always this little glimpse of something that just comes across your phone screen or your eyes or the TV screen where you're like, huh, that seems good. And so many of them, we just let pass us by as opposed to, you know, we order enough junk that we don't need on Amazon or wherever that every now and then something like that comes across your, your screen or your eyes and you, you, we just have to capitalize on it. And for most of our tech's sake, get the audio book for something like that. Like never split the difference. I'd say is a, it's a guaranteed going to make you a better presenter. Um, and if you don't present for a living, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any way it's not beneficial for everybody to read. It's, it would just make I, you. I would agree. I mean, we, we're all presenting all the time. All the time. Athletes. We're communicators. Like right. And, and I, I get frustrated sometimes when I talk to technicians one-on-one and they're like, well, you know, I mean, I went to high school. I'm not, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. You know, I don't think that I'll ever be able to do A, B, C, or D. And I get frustrated by that because uh, that is so far from the truth. Um, I think we tend to forget. I mean, where, where you come from and where people come from. And, you know, I'll give you a great example. Um, I went to high school. I graduated with a very solid 1.7 out of a four-point system. Um, I had to go to the principal the week before with my parents uh, because the question was, where are they going to graduate me? And I'll never forget when he asked me, you know, what, and I'll, I was so put off by it. He goes, Mr. Sinclair. And I remember I'm a kid, right? 17 years old, Mr. Sinclair, why should we graduate you? And I looked him square in the eye and said, because you really don't want me here for another year, do you? And um, my my father wasn't real happy with me. I'll just leave it at that, okay? So it was, it was pretty tough, but I did graduate. I did graduate high school. I got out. And that's when I learned that, you know, it's up to me. I mean, I've got to do things. Anybody can do things. And now I enjoy the the privilege of, you know, uh, being in a, you know, $700 million company, uh, as the vice president, um, you know, that's because I read and I tried to learn things from people. Uh, like you're saying, it's great that the biggest comment you made that I love that you just said was not so much how it benefited you. That's clear. But the fact that you gave it to other technicians, other guys, and maybe not all of them read it, but what if, two or three really read it and really got it. You know, I call that paying it forward. Um, you know, that there is so much good information out there. You can learn to get better at communicating, at, at sales, at, at life, at relationships, both personally and professionally. Um, take advantage of it, you know, take advantage of it. Take, take control of your destiny because once you do, I, I think you'll – any technician, electrician, plumber out there is going to find um, that it can be done. And it's it's not hard. It's just discipline. You know, like you said, one hour a day, right? What what does that mean? Do you have to get up an hour earlier? I don't know if a lot of us want to do that. But, boy, I I bet there's some TV we could cut off 
I mean, after all, I mean, think about it, Brian. Uh, if you watch Dancing with the Stars, how is that going to advance your career? You know, I don't even know what that show is. I just remember seeing a commercial for it. Yeah, you uh, got or me, the honey. Bachelorette, or I just know, wouldn't be mine. where I'm at today had I not watched, you know, uh, Julianne Huff and. <laughs> win the uh, dance offer. I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I have, I have a couple shows that my wife and I like to watch together. It's just uh, you know, before bed is like kind of a connecting thing. But they're, but the, if I had to do without an hour or two a day, it wouldn't be my audio books and podcasts. It would be whatever you know series we're watching together. But in terms of our technicians. They don't need an extra hour. They have yeah, tons they, of hours. They have it in the calls. truck. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not yeah. and then staring at that windshield isn't paying them and it's not doing anything good for them unless unless we're actively pursuing something to get better in the time that we're behind that steering wheel. Yeah, and and what I'm really trying to do is just break it down to this simple fact. What if you learned one thing a day? Just one interesting thing. And by the way, that may have nothing to do with the trade, right? It could just be one interesting thing. Um, after a year, that means you would have 365 things that you learned, which puts you astronomically ahead of where you are today. You know, um, I, I, I think uh, anyone can do it. it. It's a matter of discipline and it's a matter of desire. Um but any, anyone can do it, and it will do fundamentally great things for, you know, everyone you speak with, you hang out with, uh, business dealings, private dealings, um, you know, across the spectrum. Uh, just make yourself uh, a more uh, interesting person, so to speak. Um, and I think that goes that goes way far. Like, for example, uh a lot of my job has to do with numbers, right? Uh, a lot of them has a lot of it has to do with financial statements and things like that. You know, I never had a a course in any of that throughout college, throughout high school. Last last math class I think I took was algebra one as a senior in high school uh, in 1974. Why why do I bring this up? Because a lot of our listeners are I bet are in the same situation. I bet they, you know, I bet they haven't had finance classes, uh, and and don't understand that part of the business. Well, I wanted to learn about that part of the business, so um, I started off a long, long time ago, <laughs> reading uh, profit loss statements, talking to my boss about it, uh, showing a real interest. Uh, I one of the best books I ever read was uh, Financials for Dummies. Remember that dummy series that came out? I think in the eighties. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and you can still get the book today on Amazon.com. It's the basics of reading financial statements because I wanted to get in the business side of it, right? But I didn't know any of that stuff. And some people would say, "Well, I just, I'm not qualified because I don't know." Well, I, you know, that's not acceptable to me. Um, so I went out and learned it. And anyone listening to this podcast can do the same thing. I'm I'm sorry, I'm not special. I just uh, have always been a big, big believer in self-development. Always have been. Yeah, it was one of one of Warren's Buffett's secret to success was go to bed a little bit smarter every night. Yeah, absolutely. 
and you talk about an interesting guy. I was just uh, took a. I was just in Omaha about a year ago. Went by his house. It's three bedroom, ranch style, one floor, circle driveway. Not <laughs> much like the house I grew up in, and I, and I admire that because you know we all know he could probably own half the state of Nebraska if he wanted to and put a house in the middle of it. Uh, but he chooses not to live that way, and he chooses to, you know, constantly be involved in business and constantly learn new things and and think about creativity and innovation. I mean, um, not, you know, I think leaders read a lot, and when I say read, I, I I'm talking old school. That includes all sorts of different ways of learning. Whether oh, you go, thank you. Fast, I was worried there for a yeah. second. Where, yeah, whether you go to an event or whether you read a book or whether you get on a podcast or whether you watch a documentary or, I mean, there's a million different ways, uh, avenues to read and learn different things. But I, I think you'll find that, you know, leaders and successful people, that's a common characteristic is they're constantly learning. They're, they're still curious. You know, um, I'm 65 years old and I, I still believe in self-development and I still read things and I still watch programs of interest because um, I just want to know more. You know, I think that's valuable. And I, I would suggest anybody out there start now. I mean, it's one, one thing a day, you know, you go, like Beth said, you go to bed a little bit smarter. <clears throat> Imagine doing that for a whole year. So Lance, what are some, what are some other key factors that I as an employee, as a technician, plumber, electrician should be focusing on? I mean, uh, what are some things that I should be looking towards either in self-development or recruiting or just anything in the employee experience? Well, I think, I think one thing, uh, I find that electricians, plumbers, and, and uh, technicians, and technicians, I'm using that for HVAC, I think they tend to focus on, I want to know technical stuff. And that's good. That's really good. Um because ask anybody in this business, I mean, has, has any of us come across someone that knew it all? I mean, literally knew it all? I don't think so. There's constant room for learning and improvement. So, for example, if I'm a plumber, what's something I could do? Um, I could start studying about uh, clean water, you know, water filtration programs. I mean, those, those are uh, huge gaining popularity across the nation. Um, maybe, you know, uh, you work for a company that doesn't offer anything. Well, educate yourself on it, become the expert. Um, if you're in the HVAC business, you know, there's so much going on now with, uh, you know, electronic uh, diagnostic systems, um, not to mention, you know, the higher efficiency units, you know, get educated, get educated on, on, uh, indoor air quality. And if your company doesn't offer it today, that's okay. Get educated on it. You know, don't wait. Don't wait for somebody else. Do it. Do it now. Um, if I'm in the plumbing business, of course, that's all about what uh, really helps. Um, there are so many things to learn about plumbing. And again, you can get into the water side. I mean, every one of our trades has specialty areas. And I, and I haven't even uh, mentioned, Brian, smart home technology. You know, it, Everybody listening on this podcast should dedicate themselves to learning as much as they can about smart technology, because whether you like it or not, it's coming and it's coming fast and it's going to become an everyday issue on everyday 
service calls going forward. So again, maybe your company doesn't offer these things. That's okay. You can still become an expert. There's plenty of avenues uh, to learn more and more about any one of those subjects. <clears throat> I think that what I, I think the note I'd like to really leave on the message of this podcast would be, you know, you got to do it yourself. You, you've got to take <clears throat> self-development. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got a dry throat. Let me get some water. Um, you know, you got to take this responsibility on yourself to improve because if you don't, you're going to be left behind. So Lance, uh, good stuff today. We, we want to bring this in for landing here and I want to kind of just ask one more question about the employees. So if, if I'm feeling frustrated right now, like I'm surrounded by, uh, I'm surrounded by frustration, whether it's in the form of management or coworkers or just lack of systems and whatever, what can I do to help the problem? What can I do to actually take the entire company forward and, and make the environment better for everybody? Well, I think there's two things you can do. Number one, if you're really unhappy in your job, uh, all too often, electricians, plumbers, and technicians just jump to another job. Do your research, okay? Check out everybody in town. Don't just take one person's advice, you know? Uh, make a decision for yourself and, and ask them, uh, do they have self-development? Do they have training? Uh, do they have flexible hours? Um, how do they communicate? Uh, you know, what do they do in their community? Do they add value? You know, millennials love uh, community activities. You know, interview the company. Don't just let the company interview you. And then I think the second thing you can do is, is on this whole recruiting thing, it's so important that you surround yourself with the right people. And that includes your team members. But at the same time, it's so important that you develop yourself. Um, don't, don't wait for someone to make you successful. Go out and learn. You know, we talked about just learning about communication and sales, but we also talked about, you know, some future technical opportunities in terms of, um, you know, smart home technology, uh, clean water, uh, indoor air quality. There are so many things to learn. Become the expert and don't let anybody, don't let anybody stop you. Because at the end of the day, it's up to you, your discipline and your desire. And if you make that commitment, imagine where you could be in, in just simply one year. I think that's the most important message. Awesome. Hey, good stuff today, Lance. We can't let you go without doing a little bit of questions for you uh, for just for fun at the end, okay? Okay. All right. So uh, basic start-off question here. What's the most annoying thing about your boss? The most annoying thing about my boss. Um, I'm just he, kidding. You. No, I, I got one. But I'll probably lose my job. But hey, that's okay. I'll research the other company and make sure that it's a good fit. I swear, if you say something like he cares too much, we're going to edit it out and put something horrible yeah. in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's no, too I think kind. Anything thing, like that? My, uh, my my biggest pet peeve with my boss is he only buys one round at a time. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we'd like to learn uh, what our listeners, or excuse me, what our guests are listening to. What are you listening to or reading right now? Oh, that's a great question. I'm, I'm kind of in a weird place in my life in that um, I have a, a huge library of books in my office, right? And about, oh, about a year ago, 
you know, I, I quit looking for new stuff and I've started rereading. Mm, yeah. And isn't that weird? I've started rereading. Um, I just read, uh, like, for example, this summer I read In Search of Excellence. Uh, I don't know that very many people will know that book. It was back in the 70s. Uh, it was about high-performing companies and what, what makes them high-performers. Um, I just read again uh, something that I know you're very familiar with, a book called Traction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Gino uh, Wickman. Which, yeah, it's, it's, what a great uh, – who is it? Gino, Gino Wickman, Wickman, I think, yep. wrote it. Yeah, we're trying to get him yeah. on the show. Yeah, you should. Uh, fascinating book, especially um, for those of, you know, plumbers, electricians, and technicians out there that are thinking in the future, where do I want to be? And if the answer is, you know, I want to be the supervisor, I want to be the man, I can do that. Well, before you do that, read Traction, because then you'll understand how to do it. Uh, that's a great book. Um, but I tell you, my favorite book <clears throat> that I probably read, I don't know, three, four times, is a book called Influence, The Art of Persuasion. Uh, I think it's out of print. You can get it on Amazon, but sometimes the price is really high because it's out of print. Right. So just eat or buy, do what I do. I, I bought a used copy my last time. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, Robert uh, Caldini, a professor actually at Arizona, of all places. Um, and it talks about uh, persuasion principles, which... If you're part of our group, the franchise group, and you've gone to any training, you probably don't know it, but you've been heavily exposed to the principles in that book. That That's probably what I consider to be one of the most important books I've ever read. Oh, very cool. Okay, uh, speaking of important things, how many dollars do you think you've spent at Starbucks over the course of your life? Oh, my God. What's, someone do the math. 35 times 52 times... <laughs> Let me think. How long has Starbucks been around? Maybe thirty years. Um, no, I, I'm I'm crazy for you. Over your fifty grand. No, yeah, I am. I am a professional Starbucks drinker. Uh, I go every single day, and I get the same thing. I get a uh, venti quad latte every day. It's, Maybe they'll name it after terrible. you. They should. They should call it the Sinclair. Yeah, yeah. They should. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if you have a boat, but if you do or if you don't, what is the name or what would you name your boat? Oh, that's easy. Gimme Shelter. All right. Nice. We got yeah, Rolling Stone for those that are too young. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a great time to mention our, our buddy, Stan Swan, who's a uh, neighbor, Ben Franklin of ours, who actually has a boat called the Punctual Plumber. Yeah, the Punctual Plumber. In fact, that's actually his second boat, isn't it? And, and he At least. Plumber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and folks, we're not talking about a little bass boat. We're, we're talking, I want to say his new one is like 42 feet or something ridiculous. Uh, probably as big as my house, you know? It's a beautiful boat. Yeah, we're supposed to be having a, uh, a success squad meeting on it. I'll shoot you an email, let you know about that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> invite me to that one. <laughs> that would all right, last one for you here, Lance. What is your most treasured material possession? Without a doubt, my dad's wedding ring. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Dry throat. Uh, my dad's wedding ring. Um, it's gold with black onyx and a diamond in it. And uh, he got married in 1948. 
And when he passed away, uh, my one brother, who was kind of struggling, you know, we gave him like all the money. My other brother, who had five kids, we gave him all the furniture. <laughs> and I got the ring. I got the ring. So okay. I won. Yeah. I won. Because uh, those other possessions are great and needed at the time. But I got this my whole life. And people look at it and comment always. That's my single biggest possession. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, hey, Lance, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been good talking to you about recruiting and employee issues. And I hope that everybody has found what you brought to the table to be useful, whether you're in an environment that's already uh, encouraging you to grow and you want to continue in that, or whether you're in one that's a little bit more challenging and you have a little bit more insight into how to have those conversations to bring that about. Yep, absolutely. I, that would be my one wish is that uh, I can somehow pay it forward. Awesome. Okay, Lance. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate what you're doing uh, for the brands and for the trades as a whole. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much for the invitation. I appreciate it. Good talking to you, Lance. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the show today with Lance Sinclair. It was a privilege having him on and listening to his insights on what it is to not only gain employees, but also to keep them as well. Now, remember, we started off this podcast with the idea of drafting your fantasy team, and I want to encourage you, now's the time. It's a great time of year as kind of the ebbs and flows, the seasons start changing here, to start reaching out to your network and start thinking about building your team for the upcoming season. So if you have some of those contacts, make sure you're reaching out to them and say, hey, I got to have you on my team. I would love to work next with you. If you're still feeling a little uncertain about how that's going to go or you're concerned about the outcome, then sit down with your manager and walk out that conversation. Either way, we encourage you to be making your specific place where you work better. We encourage you to make your specific day better and make yourself better. And we encourage you to do that every single day by choosing to wake up each morning and waste no day.